0: Podcast. This is your host Josh King. With me is Adam Moore. Uh, per usual, that has been the theme since bowl season. I had another upsetting and disappointing week gambling. Um, I thought I started out hot. I talked. We briefly talked about the North Dakota State game last week. How I was kind of shot there, getting a point and a half um, against James Madison. So I took North Dakota State. I did cash out. Uh, I took the Titans. I cashed there too. So my Saturday was pretty profitable at two and one um sunday sucked though man i had the texans the texans were looking good i went to go to the bathroom came back and (laughs) all hell broke loose dude that
1: that happened really fast dude i i couldn't believe it either
0: oh it's crazy it's crazy then i had people messaging me about bill o'brien sucking which is funny because we talked about him last week um but how'd you do man
1: yeah so I didn't, I didn't get any action down on Saturday. I you know, I, I leaned slightly to Minnesota, but I thought the number was right. If anything, I thought it should have been six instead of seven. But regardless, no bet on that game. Um, I, I leaned to Baltimore as well. I'm actually pretty surprised about how that game turned out. Tennessee, you know, obviously, played really well. We talked about a key to that game. Uh, it would be Derrick Henry and, and how – you know he would fare against Baltimore's 21st ranked rush defense, and obviously he had his way. 30 carries, 198 yards. Um, Ryan Tannehill, you know he's he's playing well, but he's not lighting up the the score or the scoreboard by any means. He's not throwing for three or four hundred yards and four touchdowns. It's really Derrick Henry at this point is really kind of carrying this Tennessee Titans team. So you know <clears throat> we'll see how it goes this weekend. Uh, but yeah, again, it didn't have any bet in that game. The only bet I had on Sunday and this weekend actually was was Seattle getting four four and a half from Green Bay. We both,
0: we both had that.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? That <clears throat> you know it didn't look like the right side when I watched the game. Green Bay seemed to play you know better than I thought they would. They had that game, you know, pretty much in hand for most of the game. But then Seattle, you know, had a, had a chance there at the end to kind of come back and sneak away with a win. Uh, just couldn't get uh, couldn't get that final drive going with Russ, and then they had to punt it away, and they couldn't get Green Bay off the field with their three timeouts. So. You know they ended up losing by five, but it was a good game overall. You you mentioned Kansas City, uh, I, I you know they they just absolutely they, they just absolutely exploded in that second quarter with Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey yeah. had three touchdowns in that second quarter alone, and yeah. Patrick Mahomes just going off. So it was yeah. a fun it was a fun day. I'm looking forward to this weekend.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the the Chiefs thing, we talked about Bill O'Brien last week, and I defended him a little bit. Man, that, those fourth down calls, I, I think it's hard to blame him, though, because I think he just crapped his pants. But when he went for the field on fourth and one, and then he was like, well, it's fourth and eight. I better go for it. Like, it's just you could kind of tell he was freaking out.
1: Yeah, that didn't make any sense. I don't I no, don't understand. Like if, if you're not gonna go for it, just take the delay of game. There's no reason to waste the time out there. You know what I'm saying? Like so yeah, he, you know, it's fourth and one, he's got his offense on the field, he takes the time out, but then he then he goes out and and puts his special teams on the field. I, I didn't understand that. I thought that was kind of a, a turning point in that game. They were up twenty one to or 21 or 24 to nothing. At that point, they had a chance. I think it was 21, nothing. They had a chance to extend that lead to 28 to nothing. They settled for a field goal. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Who knows how it would have played out if, if they had went for it and got it in that situation. But obviously Kansas city, um, you know, they, they exploded there in those last three quarters.
0: And that's kind of been a theme um, for when we talk about, pro, you know, terrible coaching. That's kind of a good theme. Uh, Freddie Kitchens said, uh, did that a lot, too, would take timeouts to, just to come out and be more conservative. I think if you do take a timeout or you do take a break to consider what your options are, you better come out with a goddamn plan to get some more points. You better do the more aggressive thing and figure out how you're going to move those chains. You don't want to call a timeout and be like, okay, we're going to up for the three points. That's yeah. just, that doesn't yeah, feel no, like a yeah. good move to me. Yeah, that, that hasn't been a good move. That, I mean, you know, that's kind of been the Browns Achilles heel all season long with Freddie Kitchens, uh, but we're going to. OK, so on the show today, we're briefly going to talk about the NFL playoff games. We have our boy on Facebook, Andrew, hit us with a bunch of questions. I don't know if we're going to be able to hit all of them, uh, but I do want to talk about Stefanski. I do kind of want to talk about Miles Garrett because we haven't talked about him in a while. And then we are going to talk about the safety depth chart. I thought that was a really good uh, question. Um, he did ask some other questions. We'll see if we get to him. You know, we don't want to you know drag on for too long uh but that's kind of what we got going on so the first things first we will talk about the playoff game actually you know what i want to talk about the national championship game you and i both were very 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 supremely confident in the clemson spread i saw i don't know if you saw brad powers posted his like three thousand dollar ticket on clemson getting four and i'm laughing thinking huh dude i got six and a half brother (laughs) like i was and then the, the first quarter started and clemson you know shut them out yeah. Move the ball, and I was like, "Dude, this is going to be the easiest money I've ever made." And then Trevor Lawrence looked like I, I do. I, I can't describe how bad he looked. I, he looked worse than Brock Osweiler. Like, yeah. I, I, and I actually, I saw a statistic, in Next Gen stat. Saying that the the leader for college football this season in one game for overthrows was the backup quarterback for U N L V with fifteen. Trevor Lawrence had thirteen, which is complete. <laughs> I don't, you know, those next gen stats sometimes they're, kind of, they're kind of fuzzy. But man, I, I, there was a lot of times where those receivers, they weren't all the way open, but they were. They you shoved the ball. I've seen him make those throws nine out of ten times. So it was super weird how he just collapsed like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I really liked Clemson going into this game. I thought they were going to win that game and when they were up 17 to 7, you know, that bet was looking pretty good. They had, they had forced a few LSU punts and and Clemson was moving the ball fairly well. And then Joe Burrow came out. Uh, you know, he 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 got his head on straight and he just absolutely, you know, just demolished Clemson those that la- you know, those last three quarters. He had five touchdown passes, a touchdown run, probably what well, 400 yards total offense. He accounted for, you know, as, as a Bengals fan I was I was sitting there thinking man, I'm, I'm gonna lose money on this game I was really confident about this game. I was really confident about Clemson the Clemson side and the under and those all looked good for about You know 20 game minutes and then then Joe Burrow came and, and you know set my world on fire But as a as a Bengals fan, I was I was kind of grinning and all and giddy watching him just demolish that Clemson defense who has a Who, who you know has a a ton of NFL talent on that team, and he was just making some unbelievable throws. And you know, I got it's got me really excited, um, about the Bengals' future with him.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to take anything away from Burrow because Burrow was absolutely fantastic. But that Cle, the Clemson just it's weird because we made fun of I made fun of Orgeron last week, like dude, he ain't gonna outcoach Dabo Sweeney and Venables, <laughs> but but he did, he did, they did exactly that. Venables had no answer, which was really strange because it seemed very obvious what to do. I mean, Jamar Chase. Ran one route the entire first half and he was beating AJ Terrell. He really AJ Terrell, that's the thing too. AJ Terrell really wasn't getting beat like a drum. Mm-hmm. It's just that the Clemson wasn't the pass rush wasn't getting there fast enough. And Jamar Chase is so fast that he yeah. was running by A.J. Terrell. But AJ Terrell had a pretty good bump and run on him. But after, you know, two or three seconds, it was just game over and he ran right by him. So I was kind of yeah. surprised they didn't move to more of a bracket cover bracket coverage there. You know, Thaddeus the same kind of deal with Thaddeus Moss. I felt like no one was really guarding him. I mean, but in the second half, Jamar chase, they kind of limited. I don't know what a second half stats are. I'm going off the top of my head. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Someone correct me, but it felt like they did kind of have a better hold on him. He ran a couple slants that got some first downs, but he, that is definitely different than the nine routes that he was running straight down the field at the beginning of the, the game. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it seemed very weird. It seemed like they weren't making adjustments. Uh, you know, they ran a lot of screenplays like Dabo Sweeney couldn't figure out what to do. The pass rush from LSU wasn't it like it wasn't in Lawrence's face either. Like he just airballed. Just like, played it bad. Just, it was weird. It was really strange because the. I mean, I don't want to take anything again. I don't. Every everybody on LSU's team played very well, but it wasn't like oh man, Tri- Trevor Lawrence can't get the ball off. No, dude, like he had time. He had yeah. some receivers open. He just he missed the guys and Burrow was good, great too. But again you know, those adjustments that we see Clemson make week in and week out, it was like, okay, when are they going to do this?
1: All right, yeah. we've seen them do this, when are they going to do this? One of the surprising things about that LSU team, to me, was their defense. And I, you know, like you kind of mentioned, whether whether it was Trevor Lawrence just really struggling or if it was something that LSU was doing on the defensive side of the ball, whether it was scheme or, or whatever, uh, you know, I was not expecting uh, them to kind of get shut out like that, especially especially late in that game. Yeah, and I don't well, want to say they the scored. Game. They scored right out of the half, and um, you know, cut that to a three point lead. But then, then they were just completely shut out for the past the last twenty five minutes of that game.
0: It, it it was just strange. I mean, Davos Sweeney, we talked about. He's a top five coach in college football, so I'm never going to say he he sucks. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that this is one of the this is the best team in college football. I have no problem admitting that. That's fine. I, they, LSU was great. They might be one of the best teams ever. I have no problem admitting that um that's probably what it was they just got overwhelmed and it's just hard to it's hard to tell from your couch um,
1: yeah. yeah you know you know as as betters, we're looking to be right 55 percent of the time so i you know i have no problem being wrong or, or taking the l and i you know anytime i'm on the I'm, the I'm on the side with brad powers i feel like i'm on the right side or on the sharp side so yeah exactly with that
0: yeah it's you know i tell you what the most annoying part of the night was was that as soon as the game was over I had to hear about how great the SEC conference was. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like, okay, well let's back up a little bit because yeah. Minnesota beat I mean, come on, like, yeah. are we really gonna pound your chest because Tennessee beat Indiana? Are we really are we doing that? Like right. they went below five hundred against the power five during the regular season, but no one wants to talk about that because Missouri lost to uh missouri lost to wyoming vanderbilt lost to unlv no one wants to talk about the, the, the really really small crappy schools in the sec yep. and then they they you know they went 500 in the bowl season last year but no one said that they sucked last year it's just i i kind of i get sick of that narrative and the sec is the best conference i do want to make sure that everybody is aware that i do think that the sec is the best conference i just don't think that's the case every year and i don't i think that that conference is I think that the top of that conference is very, very, very good, mm-hmm. laden with a lot of NFL talent. When you look like LSU, Florida, Alabama, and I think it makes the rest of those schools look better than they really are. Like Missouri, like Tennessee, like Vanderbilt, like Kentucky. I mean, those schools just aren't very good. Those those schools are com- very comparable to Indiana and Purdue. Uh, but whatever, that's a that's a discussion for another day. Let's dive let's dive into these games this weekend. Uh, the first game. The Tennessee Titans are a seven point, seven and a half point underdog to Kansas City. Now, last week, I took all four underdogs. Uh, this week, I'm going with the favorites both games here. Actually, that's the spread. The spread is 7.5 for both games. But let's go ahead and talk about the Titans getting 7.5 from Kansas City. I'm going with Kansas City. I know that the Titans won during the regular season matchup in Week 10, 35-32. Uh, I believe Henry rushed for 188 yards that game. Is that right? Double-check me on that. Um... But remember during that time Mahomes was still dealing with an injury and he still threw for 446 yards. So now let's assume that he is 100% healthy. I don't think it's going to be the same. I think you're going to you can expect him to be even better, maybe not statistically better, but you know, being able to control the ball better. Uh that was actually Kansas City's last loss too. So they've been on a roll since obviously I think that has to do with Mahomes' health. Um Kansas City has also covered their last five games at home. Arrowhead Stadium is a very hard stadium to play at. I think everybody would admit that. Um, last week you talked about Kelsey. He did have 134 yards and three touchdowns last week. I don't know how the Titans are going to cover him either. So I have no problem taking Kansas City. If you include that home field advantage, which we can imagine is four points here, they're saying Kansas City is only better by a field goal and a hook. I completely – I don't I don't think that's the mm-hmm. situation at all. Two months ago if you said, hey, you want Kansas City getting," I'll give you, I'll take the Titans getting three and a half. You can have Kansas City. I would jump all over it and call it you an idiot. So I'm not gonna react. I'm gonna kind of stay with that theme. Kansas City hasn't disappointed me. That's where my
1: money's going. Yeah, I think I think Kansas City, you know, I don't know what to think about this game because you know, ten, I think to me, Tennessee's just an outlier this or at least this this back half of this year. They played so oh, do well. Think, and, do you think, and, do
0: you, think do you think that <laughs> the team that took a chance on Ryan where that went when like 0 6 with a good quarterback, and they got a quarterback that was, you know, no one really thought was, yeah, going to be, you know, kind of his career kind of got destroyed in Miami.
1: How fucking bad is Marcus Mariota? You know what I'm saying? Well, like
0: hey, first, of, first of all, don't curse, Adam. It's a <laughs> goddamn family show. All right.
1: <laughs> second,
0: second of all, Mar- okay, I'll let you finish your statement about. I, I'll let you finish your ignorant statement about Marcus Mariota.
1: <laughs> well, I'm saying like this. That team hasn't changed other than at quarterback and Ryan Tannehill. Has got this team, you know, in the final four of the NFL playoffs. So it's it's at least worth mentioning where Marcus Mariota had this team on the brink of being eliminated from the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill kind of came back and saved it. You mentioned like winning four or five straight games, and and they still he had a chance to be eliminated from the playoffs that in week seventeen they had they had to win, which they did, and they had to have a couple other things go their way, which happened to you know which you know which obviously happened. So. Um, doesn't matter how you get in, you know they're playing well. Really, you're playing really well right now. Um Looking at the, you know, just pure data. The, well, this, hold
0: on, the- we, we, you skipped over the, the Mariota sucks thing. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I want to, I want to argue that point. Well,
1: all right, I want to hear your side of it.
0: Mer- okay, so first of all, we we live in a time of – we talk about extremes and recency bias, right? <laughs> Everybody tweeted about how great Burrow was. Burrow's the best college quarterback I've ever seen, and no one loves Burrow more than me. Okay, I, you know, an Ohio, Ohio State guy through and through. I you know, I've been following him, right? Whatever, like I like Burrow. Okay, but are we just forgetting Vince Young existed? Are we just forgetting <laughs> Cam Newton went from stealing laptops of Florida to leading the championship? to to go and take an Auburn undefeated and then Auburn immediately sucked the year after. Like, are we forgetting about that stuff? It's just like Marcus Marietta. Are we Marcus Marietta was good. He was efficient. He was athletic. He had a big arm. He just got hurt. He got beat up. It's over. I don't. Th- I think Ryan Tannehill had, had a really good streak. I've always thought Ryan Tannehill was very good. There's a reason the guy was drafted in the first round. He was beat up in Miami. He's finally healthy. He's a great distributor. Always, always been that way. But Derek Henry's been kind of up and down too. I think he's kind of come out of his shell. You know, the back end of last season and this season. But he was kind of used improperly there at the beginning of his career. And I don't think we give him a f- Credit to the coaching staff in Tennessee that's been using him appropriately. Finally, they're not just they're not just hammering him up the middle. They're letting him. Use, I mean, he's honestly he'll he'll pound you up the middle, but he is best when he's able to use that sideline, his j- really really long arms to kind of get the defender away. I mean, the stiff arms is his best move, and he likes to run near the boundary. So, and they they use him appropriately. I don't think they get enough credit for that. I don't think Mariota sucks. I just think that you know shit happens, man.
1: Yeah, no, you're right, and and, you know, take it with a, you got to take it with a grain of salt that when I, you know, when we say some uh, somebody that's playing in the NFL sucks, they're still good enough to be in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a that's a level beyond comprehension about how how good you actually have to be to be on an NFL roster. So I mean, obviously he's good and he's got or or you know he wouldn't be there in the first place. He's got the he's got the tools to be a great quarterback, but it takes more than that, and and for whatever reason. Ryan Tannehill's got, you know, he's got lightning in a bottle right now, and he's just on fire.
0: He's good. I think he's finally healthy. I think he's finally an offense that utilizes his skill set. I don't think Adam Gase was ever willing to 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 move how he was going to call the play, regardless of Ryan Tannehill's skill set. I do think Ryan Tannehill is very good. He's athletic. He's got a big arm. You know he's got great size. He's a good distributor. He's efficient. He know he's always been that way. He's never been bad. He's just always been beat up. Maybe yeah. those six months sitting on the bench helped him. I don't know. Uh, but he's always been good. This is not exactly a shock to me. It's not like in Case Keenum led the league in passer rating, and I thought, really, the six foot dude that got cut from thirty five teams? Or it's not like when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl MVP where with cinder blocks tied to his feet. You know what I mean? Like it's not it, to me. It's not that shocking. He just kind of was in the right place at the right time for his skill set.
1: Yeah, yeah. With, with all that said, you know, pure power rating here makes this line seven and a half. So uh, you know, don't don't disagree with what Vegas has put out for a line. However, you know, I kind of you know how I do my power ratings. I kind of aggregate a bunch of different things and a bunch of different projections. And a you, couple... you better start saying something interesting here soon because I'm well, getting
0: aggregate I'm... and math, and I'm not placing a bet, and <laughs> I'm getting bored, dude.
1: So what I'm all well, all that what I'm trying to say is that this if I do lean it would be to Tennessee. I think they there was there was a chance to keep this game close. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this turns into like a 24-21, 27-24 type of game in favor of Kansas City.
0: But you're not going to bet on it.
1: I'm not going to bet it, but I think I think a lean to Tennessee is is uh, the oh right way to go.
0: Oh my god, whatever, dude. Whatever, man. Put up or shut up. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, The Green Bay Packers are again with 7.5-point underdog to the San Francisco 49ers at San Francisco. I'll let you kick this one off with your opinion, Adam, because I'm a nice guy.
1: Yeah, hey, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to be boring again. I'm going to say, hey, this line is exactly correct. 7.5 is what I would make it no bet for me and just but just like uh in the tennessee kansas city game you know just looking at what feeds my model here i think there's a chance here for san francisco to really kind of um you know win this game by by more than seven and a half i wouldn't be surprised if they win by 10 seven to ten points but again there's really not enough value there uh for me to place a bet i'm not going to bet but i think uh, lean to san francisco is the right play
0: okay so you're there's two games this weekend and you're not going to bet on either that's correct. I don't understand. Do you have like a family reunion or like what's, what <laughs> I'm what not do you a degenerate. Mean? Yes, you are. That's the. That's literally the <laughs> only reason you're on there because you are a degenerate. Well, So, okay. So let, you're not going to bet on any of the games, which is super disappointing, and everybody's probably turned off the pod by now. But so at what point do you view it as value enough to bet on it?
1: It's probably um, once it gets up about two points in line value is when I think it's worthy of a bet. Again, okay. we're so you're, and you're
0: not gonna budge. You're not gonna budge <laughs> off your. Huh, I'm sorry.
1: All I mean it's so all we're looking at. All we're looking for here is 55%. So I, I guess I'd, I'm not comfortable in either side of either game this week exceeding the spread by more than you know 55% of the time. So for that reason, I'm not. That's why I'm not making a bet.
0: Okay, so if if your model had the spread, if your model had San Francisco favored by 10, mm-hmm. you'd put money down on San Francisco. Yes. But because your model has San Francisco at seven and a half, you lean San Francisco because of all the exterior factors. But because your model says, no, you're, you're not going to bet against your model. That's correct. OK. All right. I just want to be word, and we'll track that a little bit, too. I'm bet on the Niners, dude. The Niners won 37 to eight in the regular season against the Packers. I know it's hard to beat a team twice, but they didn't just beat them. They pounded them. They figured them out and they pounded them. Um, they have the top pass defense in the NFL, only average, only allowing an average of one sixty nine point two yards per game. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to fare well against them, much like he didn't earlier in the year. Jimmy G has been extremely efficient. Uh, I think he was fourteen of twenty last week for two fifty three and two touchdowns. He's not that doesn't have to win the game. He just has to be efficient, and not make mistakes. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, he was fourteen for twenty for two fifty three and two touchdowns against Green Bay. Not his last game, his game against Green Bay earlier in the year. So, like I said, he doesn't have to. I, I still the point still stands. Uh, so you you got you're telling me that they beat them by 29 points and now you're only I only have to give up seven and a half two months later and the yeah. only thing that's the only thing that's changed is that they're this is the playoffs and the winner gets to go to the Super Bowl okay so we need a better
1: team who who okay so let's back up a little bit Kansas City Tennessee who's your bet are you Kansas, betting that game Kansas City, Kansas City? Yeah. okay so okay that ha, what has changed. From the last time that those two teams have played, because the line at that game was five and a half, yes, and now it's seven and a half. Yeah, I would argue that Tennessee has gotten better since the last time they played Kansas City. At least they're trending upward. I know you mentioned, you know, Patrick Mahomes kind of coming off of an injury, but he That's hasn't it. he hasn't played bad. You think he, you think he was two points worse then than he is now?
0: I I would make the argument three points. I would make the argument that there was a field goal. I would make the argument that hit his injury. At Him playing at 75%, which is a strong assumption. This is a very square handicap that I'm laying down. I do not have a good argument for this bet. The the San Francisco bet, I feel like it's a pretty strong handicap. I'd be interested to see you try to break it away. But the Kansas City bet, it's pretty much me banking on the fact that I believe Mahomes was 75%, and I think the difference between 100% Mahomes and 75% Mahomes is a field goal swing.
1: Yeah. And
0: I think that the Kansas City coaching staff is better. So you you know it, yeah. that 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 situation too. Titans only won by three points against a beat up Mahomes. I know that, th- in this situation, this spread, Kansas City's pretty much got to beat that beat their ass. But I, I'm going with them.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm not gonna like t- try to tear down your your San Francisco handicap. No, I appreciate um, it.
0: Bring it on. It just fires. you I don't.
1: I don't have a strong strong argument against it. Other than that's just what the model says. I. You know, I don't, I guess my only argument was they played in November. You know, that's we're we're talking seven weeks later. Uh, a lot has changed since that time. Again, they've played each other, so they they know what they're going to try to do against the other team. Um I, I just think this is a, a playoff game. I don't I just don't I just think it's a closer game than thirty-seven to eight like it was the last time.
0: And you might be right. You I, I think that you are right. But it can be closer, and I can still win my bets.
1: Yeah, no, and, <laughs> that's, and, that's and, what and I'm saying. So, so in November, San Francisco was favored by three, and now they're favored by seven and a half. So that's four and a half points that that they're saying San Francisco has gotten better, and you and you and you think it's more than that.
0: Okay, so so yeah, I I do. I think that San Francisco has gotten better. Okay, and I do believe that Green Bay has actually gotten worse. Green Bay has gotten worse. They're, they're, when that spread, when they first played, we thought that the Packers were going to have a top five defense, and that is not the case. We yeah. talked about last week how you thought that they were the number, the worst two seed you've ever seen. Now, obviously, that's clearly not true at this point, but I don't think I, I still lean towards that attitude and towards mm-hmm. that opinion, and a I, lot of the, the statistics so, would back me up there.
1: Yeah, and I, I, and to be clear, I lean to San Francisco here. I, yeah. I think so. I'm not disagreeing with you, um, and I I, I still. I still feel pretty strongly that Green Bay is not as not as good as a as a two seed should be. I, you know, this is a one versus two in the NFC, and it's a seven and a half point spread. I think that tells us everything we need to know about those two teams.
0: Right, and and I want to you. Ha- I know you have your m- numbers, and you stand by your numbers, and blah 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 blah. I bet like Freddie Kitchens calls plays. When my pants get tight, <laughs> right. I lay down the cash, dude. You know who okay? I bet? I
1: bet like Kevin Stefanski. That's who I bet. Like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my God!
0: Which we'll get into, but before we get into the Kevin Stefanski argument, I want you to re- reiterate the fact that you believe that Green Bay is the worst number two seed you've ever seen. Well, you I, said that last week. So yeah, you have to-
1: I I said I did say that, and I <clears throat> see, I Seattle had a chance to win that game. Um, I thought, like I said earlier, I think I thought Green Bay played better than I thought they would. Well, they, we don't
0: we don't have to go back into that game. We don't have to go back into that game. I just want you to say it. Again, that you think that the Packers suck because in fifteen minutes when we talk about Steven, Kevin Stefanski getting hired, you're going to be like, "Oh, I chased the Vikings. You did so good with the Vikings. The Vikings are so good." And I'm going to say, <laughs> "You said the Packers sucked, and the Packers won the division." Yeah, I just want to make sure that we. I want to set up that argument.
1: Well, for my, for the listeners, my argument then will be that you know just because. Well, don't spoil it. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Don't, don't um, spoil it. No, I, I I do think they are uh, one of the weakest number two seeds they they might they might not be the worst and just so i'm clear I've, I've not gone through and done all the research and looked back at every single one it just it just felt to me like green bay wasn't as good as a number two seed they're not they're not their
0: statistics have, have consistently gone down aaron Rodgers' numbers i love aaron Rodgers. i wouldn't i it's it's really hard to bet against Arod, a rod but his numbers aren't good either they're like i think he's like basically 16th in the league and everything and i'm not like 100 a numbers guy Right, I mean, I don't think I'm an analytics nerd, mm-hmm. but I don't feel I'm not going to just completely ignore them. Right, well, I'm yeah. not. I guess I'm not like Freddie Kitchens, and I, you know, <laughs> Freddie right. Kitchens would just completely ignore them. Yeah. But uh, whatever. So moving on, we got a couple questions by our boy Andrew on Facebook. I'm really glad he he hit us up. Uh, we still got we got a lot of questions this week. Some people still ask us about the XFL, but. Uh, <laughs> Girton, who's the one that keeps hitting me up about it's just gonna have to wait we're gonna talk about the browns exclusively here let's talk about the miles garrett suspension that was the first question andrew had and i thought it was interesting because we haven't talked about miles garrett the reason we haven't talked about him is because no news has come out right we right. know that he is he was he's suspended indefinitely which is a big shocker it's completely unethical i don't understand why it's that way we know that he went to a hearing a, a, an appeal hearing that got denied uh but we did know we it has my understanding Based off of all the reports I've read, is that the goal is to have Miles Garrett be available week one of next year, and he is back in the facility. I believe he's been back in the facility for the last month now. So those are good signs. I mean, Miles Garrett's a nice guy. I think he just made his first like Instagram video or tweet, and like since the incident last week. So I mean, everybody knows that Miles Garrett is who Miles Garrett is. Um, I I I think I would if you put a gun to my head, I would put money on Miles Garrett coming back for week one.
1: I, I 100% expect him to play in 2020. If that was ever in question, I know, you know, suspended indefinitely at, you know, that carries a lot of weight and that's a loaded term, but I I do expect him to be on this Cleveland roster and on the field in 2020 at what point in 2020 that happens. I, I don't know. I think anybody who, who tells you is, is really a guessing. I think you would agree with that. You know, the NFL is, is just trying to make an example out of this situation. Um, and so I, I could see I you know if he came back week one and you know time served in twenty nineteen, that wouldn't surprise me. I would also wouldn't surprise me if they they gave him another four games in twenty twenty, uh, four to six games or something dude, like that. I, but, I
0: would riot in the streets.
1: <laughs> no, I, I yeah, dude, I, but I, it's I, the I, NFL, dude. It's Roger Goodell. You, you want? that kid no way. That, yeah, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to the decisions he makes. So I'm just I, you know, I'm trying to think like a crazy person here.
0: Dude, I would I would take my shirt off and ride in the streets. I really would. I, I would, dude. If Miles Garrett misses another snap, that's you gotta start working
1: out if you're gonna be doing that.
0: That's just that's just completely ridiculous. We'll we'll see. I would be shocked if he misses another snap. That's just crazy. Yeah. His other question was, do you th- do we think Stefanski, uh, does St- does Stefanski agree that Pittsburgh started it? <laughs> I think at this point, everybody knows that Pittsburgh did start it. I don't think that's the question. The question is, did Pittsburgh start it? Everybody knows Mason Rudolph definitely started it, whether it was with his words or his foot going into Miles Garrett's crotch. He definitely started it. But again, as we... That was, probably
1: asked, that was probably asked in the interview process, and to be honest, that's probably why Josh McDaniel didn't get no the way. job. He, no he, way. He probably said, you know, Cleveland started it, so they said, yeah, get out of here.
0: Oh, oh, I, you, I, you said it with a straight face. I was like, dude, are we really doing <laughs> this? Do you really think that was brought up? Yeah, no. that's what it was. like, we got to get rid of Garrett, and they were like, get out of the building. We'll right, be, we'll be. <laughs> Well, I mean, we talked. We talked about it, though, like just because the Pittsburgh started it doesn't mean that Garrett is innocent, right? If I come up and I tickle you, or you know, <laughs> rub on the nape of your neck, and you shoot me in the face,
1: I started. I'm still, it. Yeah, I'm still murder.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I shouldn't come up. He and, still you took know, his helmet
1: off and tried to hit, or he took yeah Mason Rudolph's helmet off and tried to hit him with it. So.
0: Yeah, I should, but I shouldn't have come up to you and tried to have a tickle party. I'm true. aware of that, but right. again, you when you shot me in the face, so. That's not cool. Moving on to the next question. This was the, this was a, a really good question actually. Uh, the, so the Browns, I, I believe that safety is perceived as one of their weaknesses. Um, and for good reason, Demarius Randall was hurt half the year. Uh, they've <laughs> the other safety position was just in and out with, with, with start various starters, um, all year long. So, I thought what we could do is kind of go through who we have currently on the roster, talk about their contract situation. uh, And I want you to kind of tell me who you think they should stay, who you think they're going to let go. And then I wrote down three free agents that I think that the Browns probably will target. And then three draft picks. I don't know. Safety is definitely not going to be a high priority because I think the priority number one is going to be protecting Baker Mayfield. So I did try to write down some safeties I thought could fall to the second or third rounds. Um, well, well let's, that, that let's was my
1: my question to you was what what are they going to do with Demarius Randall this offseason?
0: I, I, so we'll, and we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. The first, you know, yeah, okay, sure. Let's talk about Demarius Randall. Demarius Randall is an unrestricted free agent. I think he did play really good, okay, uh, really well. I, I think that he gets a bad rap because he missed the first two games or whatever it was with the concussion, and he didn't really have a concussion. Rumors say that he's just, you know, not wanting to play because he didn't have his – contract ready he did have a couple games where he looked pretty pitiful at the beginning of the year and did deal with some injuries but he finished strong the last couple games actually he had the top tack according to pff for those guys that pay attention to that stuff he did have the top tackling grade on the cleveland browns roster for that at 79.8 uh because he did finish the year so strong i mean he is effective he is good he is athletic we saw what he did last year this year was a little rough but it was rough for everybody so i would like to see randall come back now I don't know how much money he's going to demand. I'm thinking that this year is going to hurt him, and that he is going to be affordable. Um, I think that there are going to be some roster moves that a lot of people aren't going to like. My assumption would be that Damaris Randall is get, does get brought back, but what do I yeah. know?
1: I, I mean, I think that's the that's the biggest key um, this offseason, at least at least when we're talking about the defensive secondary. Um, whether or not he's going to come back. And you, you mentioned, I think PF, I saw a stat PFF had him ranked like, uh, I guess, I guess he gave like a great like a 70 out of a hundred, which is, which is not all that bad. Not good. Uh, it's, not it, actually, it's not great. It's not great. It's not great. It's not, but it's, it, it could be worse. Uh, is my point. And I, and I think I looked, I saw an article, somebody had posted about, uh, there's like the, the fifth, 15 free agent safeties, uh, this all season. And, and Demarius Randall would have been ranked like 12th of the free agents that, uh, free agent safety. So, you know, again, not, not great, but it's still, I mean, you could be, you could have, you could be in a worse situation.
0: Yeah. And, and remember too, that, that was, I think that was his cumulative grade for the entire season. And like, if you take out his four worst games, his grade was more, it was closer to 80. Like I said, he he did have the highest tackling grade on the Cleveland Browns team. So that, that says something, you know, you talk about statistics a lot and statistics and analytics are very helpful. Um, But, you know, that that's part of it, right? We can't just dismiss every little thing that comes across your desk. So yeah. I do think what? that Marius Randall does does deserve more credit.
1: Yeah one one thing that we're not really talking about, and I think it I think it's worth considering. It will certainly be considered in the building with with uh, with the new coaching staff. Is you know what kind of what kind of player is he in the locker room? Is is he a type of guy that you know people get along with, or is he a douchebag or you know, how, how, you know, how does he fit in there with the, with the new cultures? And I think that'll, that, that might play in more so than we might think. So yeah, yeah. Just, and we don't, we don't see, know those answers. Yeah. Right we now. have no clue. It'd be impossible.
0: Uh, the other safety, the other guy who started, he's at the Randall obviously started the last couple of games. Justin Burr has actually started the last couple of games too. He's also an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent. He's been very solid. He's not a guy you want starting. He's kind of like Terrence Mitchell, TJ Carey kind of, clumped up in that group he's not a guy you want starting but he did play, play very solid and he did get kind of thrown into the action there um i don't think that they had any intentions on playing him at all it was kind of like a special team signing and then due to injuries and all that good stuff he kind of got thrown out there he was very solid i would be interested to see what what i i don't that i think he's a bigger question mark than randall because i think burr has actually had a good enough season where he could probably demand some pretty solid cash, and I don't know if the Browns are going to want to invest that because I'm thinking they're going to be pretty cap strapped. Uh, cap strapped. But what, how do you feel about Justin Burrs?
1: <laughs> I don't have a strong opinion about him. Uh, and you mentioned the cap, though. I think I saw Cleveland's like you know like 15th as far as cap space is concerned. Yeah. So they do they do have some room to wiggle uh, if they if they want to invest some money in, into some of those guys that they think they have long term potential. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see once they get a new GM in the building how they're going to start to kind of put this roster together. Um, Morgan Burnett's on the hook this year. with a, He's got like a $4.7 million cap hit. So you know, what, what are your thoughts on him long term, at least next season? So Morgan Burnett got hurt. Okay, he's aging. When we signed
0: him, he was aging. Uh, he was basically a liability with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I don't think that's all his fault. They kind of played him at that weird linebacker role that he wasn't used to. Uh, he had a, a phenomenal game. I believe it was against the Steelers. So he did show flashes, and then he got immediately. Immediately he was hurt for the rest of the year. I would love to see him then bring him back, and I think that's a guy that they could bring back at, at, a, at a lower cost. Um, I think that they probably will bring him back, but, it, I mean, I, yeah, I think he's it's the kind he's, of a guy that they don't really care. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they can do or die. They can do it. Or they could not, and I don't think it's really yeah. gonna affect their big game plan.
1: I think he's on he's on contract for twenty twenty, so he sh- he should be there. He's not a free agent. Uh, but, but that yeah, is I was a just guy, that curious is the guy about, that they could
0: unload. That is that is yeah, a realistic target for them to unload.
1: Yeah, because he's got yeah, it would be it would be really it'd be pretty cheap for him to <laughs> for them to let him go. They wouldn't be hit they wouldn't be hit with a lot of dead cat money yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Um Eric Murray's the other guy that's played a lot. He's kind of that plays that third safety, that reserve role. He's also an unrestricted free agent. They got him. They acquired him through the Emmanuel Agba trade with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think in hindsight, we can look back on that trade and realize that Eric, despite Agba's ineffectiveness and despite the fact that Agba wasn't good with Kansas City this year either, uh, I think that everybody would still agree with me in saying that that was a bad trade. Eric Murray was not good. Um, he wasn't bad, but he was. De- I, I don't. I don't think he's coming back. His contract's yeah. up, and I don't think he brings a lot, whole lot of value, especially when we got the next guy. I want to talk about Sheldrick Redwine. Red but before moving on to that, how do you feel about Eric Murray?
1: Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion. You know, we, you know, you definitely need some depth back in in the secondary. So, you know, they're oh, going to yeah. have to have a couple of guys to uh, to provide some of that depth. Uh, so, I I don't have a strong opinion about him
0: uh the next guy is was the fifth round rookie out of miami sheldrick red wine uh he's obviously still under contract for roughly 800 grand uh he was actually pretty solid this year because he got thrown into a lot of action uh terrible tackler missed a lot of tackles absolutely horrendous um you can make a highlight tape full of just i mean he had more missed tackles than uh, trevor lawrence had air balls last night like it's just <laughs> he's absolutely terrible tackler it if he, if he, if he wasn't drafted, I don't know if he would still be on the roster. But I think that they do like him. He did show some flashes, and he is extremely young. Obviously, he's only eight hundred grand. I think he comes back.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think they, you know, especially you mentioned he's got some potential there. He's got some some weaknesses. He's got to shore up. But I think, yeah, being I a think he year, plays
0: even more next year. To be quite honest with you,
1: yeah, I, I think it's definitely a guy you keep on the roster and, and continue to try to develop.
0: Uh, The next guy, the last guy I want to talk about on the the, the current Browns roster, JT Hassel, the uh, undrafted rookie uh, out of, oh, my gosh, I believe he went to Florida Tech. I I can't remember. He was the guy that played outside linebacker for a small Division II school, uh, much like with the Griffin brother. He's only got uh, one hand, played really well, hits really hard, smacked people in camp, kind of hung around in the practice squad. Now he's on the active roster. Here's the deal with him, though. his contract. He's still under contract, but his contract – uh doesn't just double it's five times its value now now this year if he stays if he stays on the roster his contract is going to swell up to about 600 grand uh that doesn't sound like a whole lot of money but i would not be surprised to see him
1: get released yeah that'd be be interesting i yeah I, i don't have a strong opinion about him either well know, he doesn't play see. very much
0: so it's not re- yeah. you know what i mean like that's just how it goes uh but here i wrote down three free agent tar- targets that i think that the browns can make a move for at safety depending on the new staff the new defense corner and all that good stuff obviously i think the best safety in the free agency class is justin simmons out of denver he's only 26 years old uh, he was a third round pick out of uh, boston college he was at the combine measuring at six two two zero two. 2 he fell to the third round because he did run a four six one, but he surpassed expectations. Uh, he was a second-team All-Pro member this year, had four interceptions and 15 passes deflected, which led the Broncos and was his career high. Uh, he's going to get some huge money. I don't know if the Browns are going to be in the market for that, but if they get a new defensive corner or they, you know, if they're looking to make a splash and shore up that defensive backfield letting uh, Damaris Randall go, this could be the route that they take.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to to see how they decide to move forward with the safety position this offseason, whether they're going to go after somebody in free agency or they're going to try to, you know, I don't know, maybe spend a second round draft pick on a safety this year. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, but I agree with you. Justin Simmons is the best safety available. Uh, his PFF rating last year was like 90.8, which is which is up there as far as uh, safeties in the league. So I agree. He uh, he, he probably will demand a, uh, you know, a high paycheck this offseason.
0: Uh, the second safety ahead of my list is Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, he was in Chicago this past year. Again, another a pretty young guy, twenty seven years old. Feels like he's a little bit older because he's bounced around at this point now with the Bears, the Redskins. I believe he was with the Packers for a bit. Six one two eight four ran a four five eight at the combine. Uh, he was a first round draft pick for a reason. He had a really low PFF grade. I believe it was actually lower than marius Randall's. He had seventy four point two grade, uh, which was thirtieth. Among safeties, okay. Now we all know he's good. We all know he's athletic. There's a reason he was drafted in the first round, but I don't think he's going to de- demand a big month, uh, a big number So this is a guy I think the Browns could probably get on the cheap.
1: Yeah, you know, that's probably a more realistic uh, signing for the Browns. Uh, you mentioned there's there are a few like big name or big money type safeties out that are free agents this year. Some of them will probably get resigned. It'll be interesting uh, to kind of see how that all plays out. But yeah, I wouldn't hate that uh, getting him back in there. Obviously, he's got first round talent and maybe just hasn't kind of meshed with any kind of uh, scheme that, that he works really well in. So, you know, maybe maybe it's an opportunity to kind of come back and revive his career.
0: Well, and he seems like the kind of player, if they do retain Wilkes, that Wilkes could really utilize. Uh, but moving on, the last guy I have on my list here in the free agency – Area uh, is actually still playing Jimmy Ward in San Francisco. He was at the combine, measured at five eleven, one ninety three, ran a four five nine. Again, he's also in his prime at twenty eight years old. He is the oldest one on this list. His deal is: I think this is another guy that's not going to demand a whole lot of money, but he's extremely versatile. He played cornerback last year. He moved back to free safety this year. He started both both positions, played extremely effective at both. Uh, he got real. He got bumped and bruised with injuries his last couple years, uh, but this year he really did you know, go back to expectations Reach that. I think he was a, you know, first round draft pick. He kind of hit that stride again, uh, but that's a guy I really
1: like. Yeah. I, I, I had him written down here on my list as well. A hey, PFF graded him 84.2 this year. You mentioned he's played really well. Uh, I agree with you. He, you know, he's a hard hitter in that backfield. So, you know, he's somebody certainly will be coveted uh, this off season. Two other, two other guys, uh, both. Actually, there's three safeties from Minnesota that are free agents this off season. Uh, Anthony Harris and Jaron Curse are both free agents. Those are they were ranked uh, respectively ninety point five and eighty nine in PFF grading this season. So, you know, really, really good options there. I wouldn't be surprised if if they weren't re-signed there in Minnesota. Uh, the last one I had written down was Adrian Philip, Adrian Phillips, who's a Los Angeles Charger. Again, wouldn't be surprised if he's re-signed. But uh, yeah, I think those guys will all demand um, some big money this offseason.
0: Yeah, I, Anthony Harris like I saw that he was a free agency a free, a free agent this year. I saw that, you know, he had those high PFF grades. I think that that Vikings' defense really kind of masked some of his deficiencies. I know that he doesn't have the best athletic testing numbers. Um you know, that's one of the reasons why he did go undrafted. So that might be someone that I might stay away from just because of that. Uh because he's going to demand a lot of money cuz that's just how it is because you know, the use of the PFF grade and all that people are going to recognize that. So that for the amount of money, I think I'd rather take a shot at a guy like uh jimmy ward but yep. i definitely i definitely saw that
1: do you have any uh any draft prospects that you're you're excited about the potential of drafting is you know for safety
0: yeah and the, the, my safety obviously i haven't done any like pre-draft rankings or anything like that but there are uh, three safeties that i did like right that i thought would be really interesting picks for the cleveland browns that i thought wouldn't necessarily be off of the board in the second round although they could with with testing right you got a lot you got the mm-hmm. senior bowl you got the shrine bowl you got the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. You got the, the combine testing. So all these guys, you know, if they go run a four two and throw up the bench press forty five times, they ain't going to be there. But with that said, the first guy on my list, Brandon Jones. This is a guy that has my number one rated safety going into the season last year. I think a lot of people would agree. With me, he's out of Texas. He's listed at six foot two ten. Obviously, we'll get a better understanding of if that's real or not come combine. Um a lot of people project him to go between the second and third round, which would be perfect for the Browns. At that point, you got to envision them taking a tackle and them at that point taking the best player on the board because they are not, you know, there are a lot of holes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's real fast, he's real athletic. It would not surprise me to see him blow up at the combine. Again, he kind of struggled a little bit this year. I think the whole Texas team did, too, you know, as a whole. Uh, but you saw him, He he played very well against LSU on the big stage. So. There is that, but that is my first guy. Um, Did you have any thoughts on Brandon Jones before moving on? No, I don't have any
1: thoughts on Brandon Jones. I have a few other guys written down, but I want to hear what what your other two guys first. Uh, so my
0: second guy is Grant Delpit. Obviously, we saw him play last night. At LSU got hurt with some cramps. Six foot three, two hundred three pounds. This was not a good year for him. He looked very average this year, but he still won the Thorpe Award. So that shows you not only how good he still was this year, but how great he was last year. Because that's basically why he won the award. Because of that, how great he was last year, it carried over to this year. Uh, he is. I have seen him be mocked in the first round, but I have seen him fall to the back end of the second round in some mocks. So I think that's a guy we're testing again. With the with a position like the if it's back testing is so vital, um, but you know if he has a bad day he could definitely be in the Browns lap in the third round uh, and more than likely will be there in the second round. Uh, yeah, I'd,
1: I'd be surprised if if he made it to the third round. I I agree. I think I think he I think he feels like a mid to late round first first round draft pick to me. So you know if this is somebody that the Browns if they didn't love anybody at offensive tackle uh they're at their early pick i think they're picking 10 uh so they don't love it there. they want to trade back acquire some picks and then pick up delpit there i wouldn't be i wouldn't hate that and uh you know if they if they think he's going to fall into the second round i wouldn't hate that either but yeah he's definitely somebody i had written down
0: that that's not that right now as it stands based off of what i i've the little research i've done on him Delpit is not a guy I want to pound the table for, for the Browns to take in the first round. Yeah. I, I don't think it would be a bad idea for a more for a team like, I don't know. You know we talk about the Niners. If Jimmy Ward leaves, Grant, them taking Grant Delpit where they pick, I don't think that would be a big loss for them. But Delpit, I don't think he's going to make the kind of – I mean, the Browns just have so many holes. I think it would be unwise to get a safety that, literally might be worse than Demarius Randall his first year coming in. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah I mean, no, there, there I, are, there I, are, there are questions Mark in his game. There are questions yeah. Mark in his game. Um, the third guy I have on my list is Richie Grant at UCF. Another guy who had a pretty disappointing this year, uh, disappointing year. Six foot one ninety four, uh, but he had a fantastic bowl game against Marshall. He had an interception, a fumble recovery. I believe he returned one for a touchdown. Uh, as a junior, he I think he he was like in the tops of the NCAA, you know, one of the top in the NCAA in interceptions. Teams kind of avoided him this year, so I don't think he. I think believe the. the Bowl game against Marshall was his first interception. Uh, But he is a ball hawk. He moves really well to the ball. I'm glad to see him play that well against Marshall. You know, he's big, he's fast. But again, testing will kind of show where he goes. But that guy, he might fall to the middle rounds. It's not, it would not be insane to see a guy like Richie Grant test poorly fall to the sixth round, and then play very well, kind of like uh, uh, Kevin, uh, by our at a Kevin Bayard with Tennessee when he got drafted out of Middle Tennessee State. We talked about Justin Simmons having a pretty poor combine, fall into the third round. I wouldn't be surprised to see Richie Grant fall into that because he, he is productive. He looks like a guy who could be very productive at the next level.
1: Yeah, yeah and I'm, I've got three guys that you didn't mention written down. I'm going to rely on you to to kind of provide some insight into their, into their game because I, I didn't watch all these, but these are just – I went and looked at some mock drafts and and saw some like round two guys that uh, that that might be available there for the Browns. First one was Ashton Davis out of Cal. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on him?
0: Yeah, Ashton Davis is kind of a—he's—he's he's definitely a riser. He's definitely kind of one of those draft favorites. I would compare his rise kind of like to Terry McLaurin's last year. Everybody kind of and, fell in love with Terry McLaurin's footwork and blah blah blah. Even though he wasn't the most explosive player on the Ohio State roster, Ashton Davis is a guy that I think has a very high floor. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. He also has those ball hawk tendencies. That's not a guy I'm absolutely in love with, but again, you know, testing could surely change my mind.
1: Yep, I believe I believe him. he
0: could be at the Senior Bowl.
1: Okay. Next one I had uh, this one, he's a junior, uh Xavier McKinney out of Alabama.
0: Everyone loves him. Uh, you know, he's probably likely gonna be in the first round. He's probably likely to test very extremely well. Again, this was not a guy I was super high on. Um, you know, he kind of fits that ha ha Clinton Dix profile as far as Alabama safeties go. But again, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick kind of he he's been playing fantastic. So I don't want to say that all Alabama safeties suck, but you know that he he is someone he's probably going to be the gone by the fir- by the second round. I would think that he's going to be gone before the Browns get a
1: ch- shot at him. Okay. Last one I had written down here was Anton Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. Obviously, you know, being a high state fans and Minnesota being in the Big 10, we we're, we're familiar with him. He had a really great season this year as a senior. Uh, what do you think his NFL prospects are? He's great. I didn't have I thought he would get, he was going to be a middle round pick
0: uh, before the season because he's not very tall. I'd be surprised. Man, I think he's going to be right around 5'10", if that. Um, he's kind of thin, but he hits. He hammers hard. I don't think he's going to test real well. I don't think he is. But a lot of people say he's going to blow up, so we'll see. Uh, but I had him listed as kind of like a, a middle-round guy, but he is good. He flows the ball well. He's very instinctive. He comes up, he smacks you in the mouth, just like his dad did at Ohio State. Um, but, he, yeah, he's good. That's a guy that – I mean, th- that's a guy if he's there. that His, his pre-draft work is going to be very interesting because I've heard – Different ends of the spectrum. I heard some people say he's going to kill it the combine, and then some people say that it's he's not going to. You're going to be shocked by how small and slow he is.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. Come March, April.
0: Yeah, I definitely have to do some more work on that. Right now, I've been working on some Shrine Bowl stuff, um, and I I, honestly, I I haven't felt that unprepared. I thought I, I thought I knew a lot and then I was going through some of those guys, and apparently I'm not watching enough Rhode Island film because <laughs> they had some guys I was like, who the hell is that? But, you know, there's a D3 wide receiver. I can't even remember his name from Barry College. I'm like, I don't even know where that's at. So I got to do some real, 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 real work for, uh, before April, but I promise you I'll get, you, get there. But let's talk about the Browns. The Browns finally made a decision, uh, and Kevin Stefanski. This is – I don't I, – we probably should talk about this first because this is going to be the most <laughs> interesting part of the pod. But here we are. Yeah, the Browns hired Kevin Stefanski. Can I complain? about the, the the hiring process first yeah go for it okay so let's let's recap so the browns said all right we want to hire a guy with head coaching experience correct is that not what happened
1: i i, I don't recall that specifically but
0: okay maybe maybe i made that up maybe i made that up but my thought process was that they did have some say hey we are hiring a guy with head coaching experience okay then they said okay we're gonna hire someone by saturday okay which is fine but after everyone made their hires and you were the last one available i don't i don't think there's any they came out again and said okay we'll make a decision this saturday we we promise well at yeah. that point i felt like it was kind of stupid because you don't have to now you're the only one available you don't have to beat anybody now because you're the last one left and then they made the deadline saturday and two of their finalists had games on saturday so i was <laughs> like okay so then they couldn't even do that they had to make they had to make the announcement yeah, on, on sunday. sunday so i was I, I, it just it felt very Browns-ish. It felt very Brownsish, and then they hired a guy who had no head coaching experience.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I guess I would tend to agree with you the, with the point about being the last team to to hire a coach. I don't know how I feel about that. I, you know, one side of me is saying, you know, uh, you know, you just kind of let all the you know you let the top coaching candidates go, um, and they, well, that, you know, they sign. and that certainly happens. That certainly happened I mean, with Matt Rule and and mike mccarthy and and i know you don't like ron rivera but certainly you know with him those three were those those three were picked up almost immediately but then you know so i don't i don't and i but i i can also i also see the benefit in waiting and then you know with with being the last team now you don't have to force a decision you don't have to rush you can really kind of like get your your ducks in a row and make an informed decision so i I guess i don't know how i feel about that yeah because they put
0: the time limit on themselves they're, that's the only yeah. time on themselves yeah. it made no it made no sense it was another stupid Browns move um I don't think that they lost that. they I don't think that they view it as losing out on McCarthy or losing out on Matt Matt Rule I do think that they wanted Stefanski from the very beginning I understand is that uh Podesta de Podesta liked him last year mm-hmm. um so I don't think that they felt like they missed out I feel like they got the guy that they always wanted you're probably fine right? with yeah I'm, I mean I'm fine with that I think that that's great um. I, I again, I, we talked about last week. That's why I think that's why I didn't wasn't so eager to talk about this week is because we talked about the difference between Josh McDaniels and uh and uh, Stefanski. I actually wanted Sala, the defensive coordinator of San Francisco. I think he's I think that's probably the, the next up and comer. I we briefly talked about him as well. So I obviously not Sherman
1: agreed with you, by the way. I don't know if you saw <laughs> yeah, it.
0: I, I saw that, but I obviously was not the most ecstatic person when I saw Stefanski's name scroll yeah. across my phone. Uh, but I do think that that was their guy. I do think that they are going to take a more analytical approach, which I t- completely agree with. I do think that that's some of the stuff that came out of Cleveland, I don't think that, a lot of people are upset with guys like Dustin Fox coming out and saying, well. They wanted the ownership wanted you to send the game plan to deep Depe D- desta and have him evaluate it blah blah blah. I don't think that that was obviously that wasn't true, right? That's crazy. But yeah. I don't think it was 100% a lie. I think that I think that he does probably want to be more involved, but I don't think that's a big issue for a guy like Stefanski because they are they hired him to be on the same page. So I'm I'm happy with that. If they win, I'm happy with that. I think the more yeah. important hire is getting the G- the GM right. Um I know they're looking at Andrew Barry, who was over the, is over there working in Philadelphia, had briefly worked with uh, – um, gosh, I don't know what's wrong with my brain today. Um, Sashi Brown. He worked with Sashi Brown prior in Cleveland. Uh, I think that Andrew Barry – I like Andrew Barry. It's hard to talk about GMs and coaches because you don't know how they are as people. Uh, but based off his track record, I like Andrew Barry. I think that that's a game changer. We talked about how this roster is a top-eight roster in the NFL. As long as – and, and Freddie Kitchens was a complete – buffoon and he still won six games with them so uh stefanski's better than kitchens i'm never gonna say i don't like i don't want i didn't want them to hire stefanski but i can tell you with 100 certainty he's better than kitchens Right. So even if he's yep. just a tiny bit better and he's got a, a good, competent GM around him and he hires a, a good defensive corner, I know that they're looking at the, uh, the the defensive backs coach for San Francisco. Um, his last name's Woods. I can't, again, I'm having an off day. Can't remember his first name. I think that that's a great hire. That guy has pretty extensive experience and he's worked with some underrated defensive backs that do not have a superior athletic profile and has made them very good um i i think that they're looking it sounds like they're looking in the right direction for a lot of their assistance and stuff so i think that you can even if he's not the best head coach i think that you can be you don't have to be the best head coach to be successful in the nfl
1: well and that's my point too you, and you, you don't have to be a great offensive coordinator to be a great head coach in the nfl either i think they're no. two different skill sets now Yes, some there are skill sets that kind of overlap. So you you will there are great offensive or defensive coordinators that become great coaches. But it's not to me it's not a prerequisite to be. You have to be a, a great coordinator then you know then to be a great head coach. So you, you know and that was going to be my argument for you again with uh, Minnesota versus Green Bay. And so you know to me what, what you need to be a great head coach, you got to be smart. You got to be analytical in the way you process information, or, or you know how you make decisions, and to and really you got to be able to build a culture, and you got to be a great leader. And by all accounts, and what everybody's coming out and saying, that's what Stefanski is. So if he can just kind of put these pieces together, uh, the pieces of this puzzle together, I, I think this is a team that could really, really compete next year.
0: If you want my honest opinion, if you put a gun to my head to bet on it, you say, "Hey, Josh, bet bet on this, or the Browns gonna make the playoffs the next three years?" I would probably say no. I honestly probably would, but he is a he's hands down a better coach than Freddie Kitchens, and Freddie Kitchens won six games with them. So I completely see see what you're saying. I think that there are two types of head coaches. You have a type like Bill Belichick that does everything. Okay, he's a distributor. But he does he does everything. Okay, okay, we need we need to show up our special teams. I'm gonna spend the week with them. All right, we need to show up our offense. I'm gonna spend the week with them. All right, we need to show up the defense. I need to spend the week with them. He's got his hands in everything, but he hires a great staff. He knows the staff. He trusts the staff to do all the ins and outs, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to babysit. And then you have the other side of the you have the other the other. Type of coach that is basically just a glorified coordinator, right? Uh, you look at Sean Payton, you look at Sean McVay, you look at uh, you know Matt Nagy. These are coaches that are so good; they were such great offensive coordinators that teams pulled the trigger to pay them more money to be the head coach, and then their whole ob- uh, their whole objective is to get the offense straight and then hire an, a defensive coordinator to kind of do do everything on the back end, like you yeah. saw with the Rams with Wade Phillips. I don't know which, which one's the fancy's going to be. I envision him being the offensive coordinator type to where he's going to hire a good defensive coordinator, stick to what he knows, and doesn't really go from that. And I think that that's perfectly fine. Like I said, you can win. I think you can win games like that. I don't think you have to be – the best coach in the world. I don't It's just like being quarterback in the NFL. I don't think you have to be the best. A lot of it's about the situation, what you got. You when he, he's going to roll into Cleveland and he's not going to have to do much rebuilding. I mean, they got a great quarterback. They got two great wide receivers. They got a ground and pound yeah. running back. You know, those are all the things he had in Minnesota. Just you know, and so, some someone argue that those tools in Cleveland are better than the ones he had in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, you're probably right there too, and. I, I guess I would tend to agree with your assessment of of him being more of, a, of the offensive coordinator promoted to the head coach, where he's gonna he's gonna try to hire a, a really talented defensive coordinator to kind of take over the defense side of the ball while he handles the offensive side of the ball. And maybe and- maybe I'm wrong. And we we talk about the analytics and stuff. I want
0: to be very clear. Uh, the, the dude knows football. He played yep. was he was all Ivy League at the uh, playing defensive back for Penn. Okay, I feel like well we'll dive into the analytics thing that, that that dirty word in a little bit, but I'll let you finish your point.
1: Yeah, no, all I was saying is like we've I can't remember who exactly said it, but there there are people comparing him to to Sean Payton. Now whether that that plays out, who you know who knows we'll we'll find out eventually. but uh, my point being is you're right, he's he's super smart. he had you know this this Minnesota offense and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they weren't that good that last year. Uh, he took over this year, and he really, he really, you know, gave this team an identity, something that John DiFilippo didn't really have with Minnesota. They were, they looked like they were just, you know, throwing shit at a wall and see what stuck. But the, you know, last year, this year with Minnesota, Stefanski really built this offense around the the outside zone run in Dalvin Cook, and it, you know, obviously turned out to be, you know, Dalvin Cook had a had a career year. Um, Kirk Cousins was wildly efficient. Uh, fourth fourth in the NFL in passer rating and completion percentage. You know, if he if he can come in and do that, you're right, the, the pieces are here in Cleveland. They got Nick Chubb. You got Baker Mayfield. If he can get Baker Mayfield to be efficient again, if he can if he could build an offense around Nick Chubb, he's got two explosive wide receivers on the outside. So I mean I, I think the I think the sky's the limit for this Cleveland offense.
0: So and and I I, I want to recap what you said about him transforming the Vikings offense. Okay. People are forgetting that around week four, both of these wide receivers were pretty fed up with how the offense was going, and I believe they had didn't they have to bring in Kubiak to kind of help out the offense to make them. I mean, he 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 got hired on to basically help this guide this Vikings offense. So if you would have hired, if I would ask you eight months ago who you wanted to hire, or if I would ask you mid season, quarter through the season, if you would hire Stefanski, you would laugh. Okay, so I do, and he like I said, I'm not bashing him. he may be a great coach. I'm a Browns fan. I hope he comes in he wins the Super Bowl next year, but yeah. let where people are just forgetting that people are just forgetting that there was a four week period where <laughs> they couldn't move the ball through the air and both of their wide receivers were upset and their receivers are not as dramatic as OBJ and uh, Jarvis Landry. That's okay true. so you need people need to wake up to that right now. now I've seen some stuff now and that's another thing too, is that everybody called, we okay. We talk about their their offense, you know. Oh, their rushing offense is six, six in the NFL. Okay, well their passing offense is like twenty third. Okay, people keep yeah. t- nitpicking these passing stats. Oh, Kirk Cousins is super efficient. Oh, Kirk Cousins didn't throw Okay, yeah, but you let's use the stat that you use for the rushing offense. Why are we not talking about the stat for the passing offense the same way we talk about the rushing offense? Oh, because it's not good. Let's be real, right? It's not. It's not good. Let's break it down. It's not good, right? It, it depends on which 23rd, stat you're 23rd using. Twenty third
1: it depends on what stat you're using to measure that. It makes sense that...
0: Wait, hold on. I didn't pick the stat, though. You you, and various other people always open up with saying, well, the, the Vikings have the sixth best rushing offense in the NFL. Right? I didn't pick that stat. You guys start out that stat. Yeah, so no, if you it, take but... the exact same stat on the passing offense, it yep. ain't good.
1: No, you're right. And it shouldn't be. So if, if a team is really good running the football... They, you know, there's only so many plays in the game. They're not going to have the volume if they're running the ball all the time to to rack up a really impressive passing stats. So that doesn't surprise me That's at all. And not it doesn't, that doesn't concern there are me. A,
0: there, are a fi- there are efficient offenses that are top tier in both. And you know that. If you it, want, it, we can take some time this next week for the next pod to try yeah. to evaluate. We'll look, at, we'll look at the top offenses in the last 10 years, and we'll see how many both have them. I'm not asking them to be number one in both, but they're 23rd. That's in the bottom half. Yeah, That's no, in the you, bottom half.
1: You can be efficient in both the run and the pass, yeah, but you can't, you're not in yards per game. If you, if those two things are inversely, 100,
0: no, I would be willing to bet my paycheck that we can go back and we can look at the top offenses the past 10 years and both, and we can find, we can find multiple offenses that are top half of the NFL. Again, I'm not asking them to be. One in average and one in rushing and one in passing. I'm asking to be a yeah. top half. That's all I'm asking. So sixteen yeah. or above, and I'll and that's You're all. You'll for I'm sure asking. find those. You'll for sure for a hundred percent, hundred percent all day long. I bet there's teams in the NFL this year that are like that, that are both in the top half. I mean, you don't have to. There, that's that's what efficient offenses do. A lot. There's a lot of offenses that do that, but no one wants to bring up that people are. People are nitpicking which stats they want to say about Stefanski, and I again, I'm not bashing him, right? Because I nitpicked with Josh with my argument with Josh McDaniels. I want to talk about the last five years. Why well, don't want? There's a reason I don't want to talk about the last ten years because <laughs> he he destroyed the Broncos. But with the Stefanski thing, it's just it's re, it's it's blown up i feel like these the stats think, are I, really blown up
1: yeah i think it's an un, i think it's an unknown you know you just don't know enough about stefanski and i think that causes some concern or some fear amongst the Browns fans so I, I still i still like him a lot uh i think it was a good hire but you know what we neither of us are, are doing any more than just pulling something out of our ass and 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 guessing. 100%. so you know it we'll we'll find out and yeah if I'm right, it's because I, you know, I got lucky. If you're right, it's because you got lucky. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where you just can't no, know I mean, for sure. You yeah, mentioned I mean, he, you don't know enough about these head coaches, about who they are as people, who they are as leaders, and it's yeah, it's really hard for a fan to sit back and and look at what somebody did with an offense or a defense and and say for hundred percent this is how it's going to translate into being a head coach because that's just not a hundred
0: percent. But. All I'm asking is that when you're evaluating these these coaches, is that we have a level of consistency. I said last week I wanted Josh McDaniels. I would I would want Josh McDaniels over Stefanski. But and I used to put a big asterisk and yelled but <laughs> that if McDaniels comes in there and he wants to be Mr. Ego, I'm going to rule the world. You can't have him because he didn't yeah. learn from his mistakes. You have to learn from your mistakes. We talked about with John Dorsey too, right? If he comes in, you know, swinging it. Then mm-hmm. that's an issue. You don't want that. And uh, supposedly McDaniel's came in there and said, "Okay, well, I want to get rid of everybody." Right. And then they and they said, "Okay, well, you need to leave now." And that's probably a <laughs> wise move because that's yeah. that's what happened in Denver. Is he came in there and he he didn't he wanted to do more than what he's capable of, right? Yeah. The bet I think that the best coaches know what they can and can't do, right? He what what, is, what does Socrates say? He who knows what he does not know. Knows a lot or whatever. <laughs> it's, the, it's that. It's that. It's that. I mean, and re, I'm not. It sounds stupid, but that really what it is. What it is. If, Stif- yeah. if Stefanski could be a bumbling idiot, but if he knows that, you can be yeah. a good coach. You know right. what I mean? Because then you're going to hire people that aren't
1: exactly idiots.
0: Exactly. And Freddie Kitchens was. I I can say with 100 percent certainty, Stefanski is better than Freddie Kitchens. And Kitchens won six games with the staff. So if you have someone with half a brain that just does what they're supposed to do, and if he's just average, this is a playoff team. This yep. is a deep playoff team. So I I'm, not, I'm not mad that they hired him. I just – I don't think that there's a level of consistency in how people evaluate him. I think that people are really, really excited about him because he is labeled as this analytics genius, and Freddie Kitchens did whatever he wanted in disregarding any kind of statistical anything. Yeah. Okay? And I, I think, think that starting to come down point. a little bit.
1: I think people are starting to come around on Stefanski, at least from what I've seen on Twitter. Everybody uh, loves
0: him. Everybody loves him. Everybody's always loved him.
1: A lot of, you know, I thought everybody. It, it it appeared to me that everybody was all McDaniels, all McDaniels, and then when they hired Stefanski, everybody was pissed off. Uh, now, then, now you're starting to kind of see the tide turn a little bit. But at the end of the day, none of us know how good he's going to be. It's just we're just going to have to let it play out and see how you know see how it goes.
0: Well, yeah, but then if we just let everything play out, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Adam.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: No, I'm not, again, I'm not bashing the hire, but there is, there's no consistency when people talk about. There's just, you're right. There's just, there's just not. There's just not. And when you talk about McDaniel, this probably is because his resume is so short that you're, gra- people want, people like him and they're grasping his straws to try to make him, make a square pet, peg fill. Fill in a a, a circle hole like it's just that's just how it is and that's that's fine he might be a great you can make a solid case for him you just did you made a solid case for him but you can do it without stretching the truth you know what I mean no I I I get what you're saying and people and no and no one and no one in the past throughout this entire process has mentioned the fact that this offense was pretty close to combusting. In the beginning of the year, I think I heard someone say – someone I someone made the point on Twitter that, hey, guys, remember this offense almost collapsed in week four, and then someone responded, well, Adam Thielen was hurt. Adam Thielen was hurt. <laughs> no, dude, everybody hated yeah. Kirk Cousins. They had to have a talk with him to tell him yeah. to throw the ball. Well, that the, that happened. What, That's a real thing that happened. Yeah. And we have a no, tell, DJ.
1: Yeah. Well here's the thing that's crazy to me and you see this everywhere even like in our political landscape I don't want to get political but every yeah, every no. fact every fact you know you you're gonna have two different people two different sides look at the same exact fact and having a different opinion on it uh, on what it means yeah 100%. so the interpretation of the facts is, is you know that's all we're doing right now is looking at okay this is what happened what does it mean and there's just people do, who disagree about what it means. And is, we're not going.
0: Yeah, it's just like uh, th- another Stefanski point. You know, people were upset. Some people, I did see some people were upset because we didn't hire anybody with experience, and a lot of people wanted experience because, again, it's that opposite of Freddie Kitchens, right? People were so scared to hire a new guy; they were so you've scarred seen, by Freddie Kitchens, right? You've
1: seen, yeah, but you've seen also the experience thing turn on, you know, turn itself on its head with Hugh Jackson, who had who ex- had who had head coach. And he was a really good offense coordinator, and he just, he just wasn't able to run a franchise, and that's what yes. you, you need. you need a CEO. You don't need an all-star coordinator. You need a CEO. That's who you my, need. My
0: Jeff. point is, my point is, and I'm not saying that I I would have been perfect. Like I said, Salah was my guy. I, I would have been very happy with that hire, and he also has no coaching spirits. But my, now we're seeing you know, LaFleur and Vrabel. I think, well, yeah, LaFleur's in his first year ever being head coach. He's going to the NFC Championship game. So now you're seeing all these tweets going, you don't need experience. Look at what LaFleur's doing. Okay, well, that's the exception. That's not the rule. Yeah. Now, you know what I mean? Like, You don't have to agree that you need – you don't have to be on the same page and want a coach with experience. I'm not telling you that. I respect your opinion no matter what because no answer is right. Like you said, I mean, you know, Hugh Jackson was an office corner for a million years and he still sucked, right? You know, I mean, you see retreads all the time. That's the, I mean, Jeff Fisher had 85 jobs as a head coach, and not one of them he was good at. Right? He's eight and eight. Yeah, yeah I mean, but so uh, that I'm not, I'm not saying that you need experience. I'm just saying you can't. You're picking out, you can't pick out the one dude that's gone to the NFC Championship game in the past 30 years as <laughs> a first year head coach and be like, well, see, it happens all the time. <laughs> it's just like the you know the six foot quarterback things. Well, Drew Brees is short. Russell Wilson is short. Yeah, but there's seven million quarterbacks that are short that suck. Yeah. Right. Out like. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. I. You know. What I mean. Like. You have. They're, they're. They're the exception. They're not the rule. And that's yeah. fine. You. I'm not saying you can't do it. But you can't look at the world through that lens. And that's. I think that's a lot of time. That's what happens because people are trying to fit that narrative. But yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not mad about it. I You know. I. I it. It is what. It's a lot of it's going to depend on who they hires a GM, who he hires as his coordinator. We're going to get a very live idea of how he wants to, to run the show. Yep. Uh, and that's going to tell us more about his coaching style and how smart he is. Um, you know, I don't I, – I, I watched the press conference briefly, and I saw everybody was falling in love with everything that he said. But when Freddie Kitchens opened his stupid southern mouth, everybody fell in love with that. <laughs> they, they made shirts pretty much the same day. They said, if you don't wear right. brown and orange, you don't matter. Well, I, dude, <laughs> I mean, right? So I kind of just ignore that. Yeah. But
1: – I mean, that was a great line he had though, right? Personality is, is recommended, but uh... – you know, results are required or something like that. Production yeah, I, is required. I, yeah. It, it that's, that's a great, great line. line. That's it a great was line. a great
0: line. Yeah. And there's already T
1: shirts made about it. yeah, you I mentioned
0: that. The Brown thing was a good line too. Every you know, those guys have good lines, but yeah. I don't I don't give a shit. I, I would rather you never speak and just win games. I would yeah, rather I you I would rather you do the Bill Belichick thing. Wear hoodies from Goodwill and just win yeah. me some goddamn games. Like
1: good hey good news for me as a Bengals fan, I don't even know what Zach Taylor sounds like so yeah, yeah, he must see. be doing something right. Well, I think that's because the
0: Bengals can't afford microphones. <laughs> they just, we, they just... we
1: can't, we we practice in a damn inflatable bubble when it rains, so yeah, yeah. we can't we can't afford anything.
0: That's just a, a trash, trash organization. Bro. Yeah,
1: I know it, it breaks my heart inside every time we talk about it.
0: They're well, gonna I, find
1: a way to screw up this Joe Burrow thing. Joe Joe Burrow to me, I'm just I'm banking on him being the savior. They're gonna come in. They're gonna just just shatter my heart into a million pieces again for the tenth time in the past eleven years. I'm I'm just waiting someone, for someone. I saw someone compare him to uh, Tim
0: Couch the other day, and I was <laughs> like, dude, that is so. Dude, Tim Couch. <laughs> people forget how great Couch was in college. How, uh, yeah, how I, mummy, I, don't, I don't remember.
1: How remember, mummy?
0: How mummy? First of all, how mummy was like Mike Leach's mentor? Okay. Okay. And how mummy would write plays? I I. I he would write plays in the sand on the Kentucky sideline, right? And tell Tim to go out there and do it. And he was like, okay, like he was just, he was just a God. Like he just went out there, did whatever he wanted to, but he yeah. got sacked 72 times in the first quarter of his first game. And the rest was history. So yeah, you could destroy Joe Burrow. I mean, situation is everything. Situation is everything. You know what I mean? But I, I think we covered everything. I really yeah. appreciate all the questions. Uh, we didn't get that to them it, man. That was cool. That was
1: cool. Dev, I I, I enjoy, uh, you know, I'm trying to interact more with people who are talking to us on Twitter. I really enjoy that. So you know, feel free to reach out to us. We'll talk to us. We'll uh, we'll definitely you know engage and com and conversate with you.
0: Absolutely, and you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Keatley16. Uh, I got some stuff coming out on BrownsWire in regard to the Shrine Bowl. I already reviewed the centers, the wide receivers, uh, and the guards. So, or no, I'm sorry. In the office of tackles, so I'm coming out with the outside linebackers next. Um, again, hit me up,
1: Adam. Where can they follow you? They follow me on Twitter. Moore, M O O R E two one zero two. I'm not writing any articles or, or doing anything cool like you are. I'm just, uh, just watching sports, raising kids, dude. Oh my god, that sounds so sad.
0: <laughs> All right, man, we are out.
1: All right, we'll see you.